Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. Apparently, I can't get a day off here at all. I am joined by Flying Rich and also another investigative journalist that's working in the 2A space. We are broadcasting to you not only the John Crump Live, but we are also broadcasting to you to John Crump News today and also Gorillas and Guns, the Facebook page, and also the YouTube page and the GOA page and the Black Phone Media page. We're all over the place, Twitch, whatever. Uh, today we're going to be talking about some ATF leaks that uh, came out. I am joined by Flying Rich, who has it, and uh, another guy who actually beat me to the story because usually you don't have any competition, so I decided to take a nap before I published uh, <laughs> wrong thing to do. Um, Stephen Gakowski, <laughs> how are you doing, Stephen? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess you shouldn't have taken that nap. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I usually don't have any competition, so I'm like, uh, I'm really tired. Let me take a nap. Uh, I'll get out, then I'll push it. <laughs> I woke up and people were like, "Do have you seen this?" I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, so you're going to keep me on my toes. <laughs> Before we get into this, tell people who you are. Yeah, my name is Steven Gatowski. Um, for, uh, for years, I was a firearms reporter at the Washington Free Weekend, but I actually just launched a new publication on Monday um, called The Reload. Um, and that's where you can see the, the people can go and see the, the story about the, the leaked um, documents from the ATF on their plans for uh, banning, you know, so-called ghost guns. Yep. Uh, it is also now on MLN.com and it actually links back to the reload to give the reload credit since they were the first ones to go with it. Um, I want to ask you a couple questions, but first let me say hi to Rich. Rich, how are you doing? Good, good. I, I got my 0% lower right here. Oh, <laughs> Will, will the ATF require a serial number for this? Rich is holding up 3D filament. No, actually, it, <laughs> it doesn't touch 3D uh, firearms, by the way. But it does touch a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Steven's not going to give up his sources, um, as I will not give up my sources. But my sources are telling me, and I want to ask you, Stephen, if your sources are telling you the same thing. But before we actually, let's talk about what it is. Basically, Biden administration two weeks ago said that they were going to have executive action on ghost guns and tasked the ATF to come up with some stuff. All of a sudden, they came out with a 107-page document that basically deals with so-called ghost guns and, and unfinished frames and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I actually have a series of articles on that. Uh, yeah, you can go to the site and and, and see it, uh, Ben Griffin. But I have a series of articles coming out on that. Uh, my sources are telling me that this has been in the works for a long, long time, at least a couple of years. Uh, is your forces basically telling you the same thing? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you have, uh, you know, the, the deadlines that, that the White House gave out being, you know, 30 days and 60 days, it's generally pretty clear that that's 
that's usually something that whatever organization, whatever agency is responsible for, you know, the proposal that they've been working on for a long time. Um, and that, I think that's certainly the case with, with both the pistol brace, um, uh, re- resolution and, and this, uh, this, uh, unfinished, you know, receiver resolution that, that came, that was, you know, published today or leaked today. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the ATF has been kicking around ideas on, on these devices for a long time. I mean, we've seen, obviously, uh, uh, we've seen them kind of do more or less what they want to put down into written word uh, already with the, you know, the raids on Polymer 80 and, and um, some of the other actions they've taken against people who make and sell unfinished uh, receiver kits. Yeah, there there's a couple things in there that not only which Rich jump in if you have any questions as well. Uh, there sure. are a couple things in there that um, I noticed. I want to know if you noticed. Uh, if you look at the document, they seem to ban all solvent traps. Yeah, I mean, there's it's a 107 page document, right? So there, there's a number of things that it, it goes into. Um, in there, it, it also even does um, stuff that uh, people might, you know, gun, gun hunters might appreciate. In, in, in uh, that, with um, with silencers and suppressors, now the, every part of the the suppressor has to be serialized and go through the entire uh, NFA process every time you want to replace the baffle or something to that of that nature. And this changes it to just serialize the outer, um, component, the, the can basically. Yeah. Which is what people have been wanting for years. So, you know, there's kind of a a number of minor changes, really, honestly, the biggest change has less to do with, uh, you know, unfinished receivers. Although that's probably the one that most like enthusiast gun owners are going to care the most about, but the bigger change has to do with their definition of, what a uh, receiver is overall, because, uh, you know, as you, as you probably know well at this point, uh, the, the ATF and DOJ have run into problems with how the ATF defines uh, what an AR-15 receiver is, because it just designates the, the stripped lower uh, receiver as, as a, uh, you know, a firearm, as a regulated receiver. And the problem with that is the current regulations um, that their interpretations based off of say that it has to include, um, you know, a number of features that a strip lower doesn't have, like a, a uh, like a bre- yeah, a, bolt, a, a breech block, um, you know, things like that. And <clears throat> and as the ATF sort of very dramatically states in the, this proposed rule. Um, you know, a, a number of courts have struck that, have basically said that they're going to rule against charges in these in cases that involve the ATF's determination that an AR-15 lower is a is you know a, a full fledged firearm, you know, or should be regulated as a firearm because it doesn't meet the, the regulation standard. And they, see the ATF says um, that that could end up making ninety percent of guns. Um, essentially unregulatable um, because most modern firearms don't have all of the components that the regulation 
says are, are necessary to make up a firearms receiver, they don't all, they don't have that in one single part. Um, and so you couldn't regulate any of the parts, you know, like, you know, the, the way we do it now is, uh, we've got the ATF designates one part as a receiver, kind of whether or not it fits that rule, the, the actual definition or not. And, um, and then all the other parts are, are just regular gun parts that aren't regulated, uh, by, uh, don't require a serial number and, you know, a license to sell and all, all the stuff that goes along with that. Um, and the ATF is saying, well, if we, if we go by what these courts are saying, uh, about our, you know, determination on the AR-15 lower, then like 90% of guns aren't, you're not going to have a, a single part that's, that's an actual receiver. And so they want to change the definition of what a receiver is and basically give themselves a lot more flexibility. And then as part, so that's probably the bigger thing because it's changing decades worth of, of uh, law that could in, in theory could have an effect on all basically every gun crime out there. Um, and, and so uh, the unfinished receivers part is I think probably to the ATF a less, even though that gets emphasized on the political side, it seems like the lesser priority in this regulation. Yeah. Um, I, but another, it's still big. Yeah, that is still big. Another question I have is like the the SIG P320 and P uh, and uh, P350. It talks mm-hmm. about how the serial number has to be exposed on the outside of the firearm. Yeah. For guns like that, how how do you think? that's going to work just do you think a window will satisfy that or do you think that they're yeah when when i read the when i read the regulation or at least when i read this proposal what i the impression that i get from it is here's the atf saying that being forced to change stuff that they don't want to change that they think it's fine the way it is um more or less outside of the unfinished receiver stuff the rest of it just seems like, well, these courts are backing us into a, uh, a corner because, you know, they're not happy with our, the way that we're, we just decided to go beyond what the regulation actually states. Uh, um, and we think the way we do it now is fine. So let's write some regulations that let us more, you know, explicitly do exactly what we're already doing. Um, and you can even make that argument with, the unfinished receiver stuff, like I said about how they, you know, they were already going after uh, Polymer 80 and others um, before this you know, regulation was, was put into place. But basically you read through it and they say, we're going to set these standards to be extreme. And the ATF loves to do this, as you probably have noticed um, over the years. They want to set really broad standards um, and, and then just basically apply them however to the to the you know put the line wherever they want it to be you know what i mean like so the standard for um the new standard for unfinished receivers is gonna they want to add a, a provision that says um you know firearm is also similar to how machine guns are regulated now um that anything that can be readily converted into a firearm receiver has to be regulated as though it is a firearm receiver, right? Yeah, in the time, uh, so, it's not readily convertible to me would be like a couple minutes, like two minutes maybe. 
there well, is like a lot longer. Coat hangers are illegal. Well, coat hangers, yeah. Well, that's the question, right? So if you read the if you read the like definition of what uh, readily convertible, what they it's what crazy. they want to define readily to mean, um, you know, basically they lay out these standards, but they're all subjective, right? It's like the time, the effort, the expertise involved, the tools required. Um, all that is are the standards that they're going to go off of, but they don't give you like an actual uh, hard limit to it. And so instead, what they do is they have a bunch of footnotes that point to some court cases involving you know machine gun receivers and and the standard for readily convertible uh, in that you know for those uh, devices. And you know they just give you a, a listing that really ends up being pretty broad. Uh, almost to uh, the point where there's no limit um, because, you know, they cite a case where uh, apparently a court ruled that um, eight up to eight hours with the use of a full machine shop was still, it was still considered readily convertible. Um, and so if you apply that to something like an 80% AR-15, or really any... If you apply that to an AR-15 lower, I mean, how long does it take to make an AR-15 lower out of a block of aluminum or, or steel or whatever? If you have a, a mill, you're, you know, it doesn't probably not that long. And so, it depends on how fast your CNC mill is. Pretty yeah. much. The the one I have, uh, it, it can turn out uh, a lower in like a couple hours. But, you know, you're talking about a ghost gunner. You're not talking about, you know, a full blown, mm-hmm. you know, mechanical CNC mill that a yeah, machine shop would use. Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I got tons of stuff, Rich. <laughs> oh, I'm impressed. I, I'm always more impressed every time I talk to you, John. <laughs> yeah, I got my whole workshop. My, Although that I have like three printers down on my print farm that I got to get parts for. So um, I'm looking at. I don't know if it's page 19 or page 20, but it says in recent years, individuals have been purchasing firearm parts kits with incomplete frames or receivers, commonly called 80% receivers, either directly from manufacturers of the kits or retailers without a background check, uh, record keeping. Some of these kits contain all of the components necessary to complete a functional weapon within a short period of time. Some of these jigs and some of these include jigs, templates, instructions, drill bits, and tools to allow the purchaser to complete the weapon into a functional state with minimal effort, expertise, or equipment. Weapons parts kits such as these are firearms under GCA because they're designed to and or may readily be converted to expel a projectile by the application of an explosive. Yeah, that's a buy-build shoot kit. Basically what they're ready to polymerate over. Yeah. So... In my mind, the question is, if I buy like an 80% polymer 80 lower, oh, wait, that's not it, an 80% polymer 80 lower, okay. and I bought, you know, it didn't come in the same box, like the jig for it didn't come in the same box, or the drill bit didn't come in the same box, is it still, you know, in violation? If I ordered it from the same company and the parts came in separate boxes, but we're one shipment. You know, this, this seems to be yeah. a bit of a mincing of words. Yeah. Well, see this, it, you know what it reminds me of? Um, Cause you're right that it's like, 
not entirely clear. Um, and so it reminds me a bit of what the ATF was proposing last fall with pistol braces, where it was like they weren't directly saying that every gun that's equi- every gun equipped with a pistol brace that has a barrel shorter than 16 inches is absolutely an NSA item. They were saying they all could be, maybe, that the ATF would have to individually look at all of them to determine. And so I think that's kind of what they're saying here. Um, maybe a kit, maybe you could buy, uh, the jigs and then, and then buy the, um, uh, 80% lower, uh, maybe not. Um, they do at one point later on, they, uh, in the, in the document, they talk about the, uh, the financial impacts. Um, and, and when they talk about the unfinished, uh, receivers, um, they do suggest themselves that it would have a significant impact on some companies, some non-licensed, um, you know, manufacturers of these of 80% large, basically. Um, but also that the companies could either one become licensed and, you know, do, I guess, just start making strip lowers at that point. I don't know why anyone would buy an 80% serialized lower. <laughs> kind of defeats the, the whole purpose of why people buy these things. But um, either way, um, and then the other suggestion they had was that they could just sell the, the kit and the lower separately. So it seems like maybe they, they could do that. Um, but it's a little bit, I think that's like a two sentence part of the whole doc, 107 page document. So, uh, you know, it's going to, it's probably going to be a, a, you know, a gray area that basically the ATF has set themselves up to, um, say that that's a crime if they want to. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting what do you think i read in there um one of the things that i concentrated on that um was a little bit different from your article was the serialization of barrels did you get to that far or to that point um i don't remember that part specifically i know that they talked about like not wanting to have to burden you know, the industry by over serializing all kinds of different things. Um, when they were talking about, you know, split receivers and stuff, like I know that what they're trying to update their, the definition of what a receiver is, right. So that, so that it fits things like a P320 whose receiver is basically just, you know, a little skeleton that goes inside a plastic casing, um, or even, uh, you know, AR-15 whose receiver is split in half. Um, and so, you know, they, they basically, the rule that they have lets them say that pretty much, so for an AR-15, for instance, they could, if they wanted to, they could rule that both the lower and the upper receivers are receivers under this rule and make everyone serialize both of those parts. Um, now, they said they don't want to do that. They just want to keep everything in place that they are, how they're already doing it, but but, um, you know, essentially would give them power to serialize more things depending on what what components are attached to them. So, um, but I, I didn't see the, I don't recall the part about the, about barrels. What uh, what does it say? Uh, I would have to look it up again. Let me roll up my document. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm it, no, going it's, through this. No, it, it just says uh, that they should be serialized to match the serial number of the firearm. 
So then, then the question begs is, uh, when I go to the FFL, if I buy an AR-15, is it two, uh, you know, 4473s or is it one 4473? I think it's still one 4473, but uh, the serial yeah. number would have to be matching. Now, um, they actually did this to Walter Keller. He builds a 50 cal bolt-action upper that goes on an AR-15 lower. And... You know, they've they the ATF is now requiring him to serialize that, and you've got to go through a 4473 yeah. to buy that upper. And that's Safety Harbor Firearms. Mm. Yeah, so uh, that's Safety Harbor Firearms that Rich is referring to. Um, basically, he has to serialize the bolt action part. But yeah, I mean, it, it, this whole thing is kind of crazy. A lot of the stuff that they have done, but we knew it was coming. Um, I'm, I reported back in, uh, I think, what was it, November now that this was coming down? Um, and it, it did, it, it did come down. So we knew it was, it was, um, coming down. So mm-hmm. I don't think that is, uh, anything that's a surprise. Uh, most of the stuff in there I kind of saw coming down. Um, in there, it does highlight the number of homicides done with uh, so-called ghost guns over the past four years. Uh, well, and homicides it, and attempted homicides. Yeah, homicides and attempted homicides. a lot homicide. of not homicides, I would just imagine. Yeah, homicides and attempted homicides. And also, if you don't know, the ATF lumped in self-defense cases in there as well. Mm. Figures. Uh, so it said there was like 357 out of, of the past four years, which, you know, there's 17,000 murders in the country a year. So that's really not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really keep it vague. Do you think that they're still yeah. trying to go with the, if you know it when you see it approach? Yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely what the – I think the ATF's goal is always to give themselves as much latitude as they possibly can and then sort of decide internally what they – how they want to actually enforce things. Um, so, you know, if you – yeah, if you read the – you look at that rule that they're proposing for what the new regulation of a firearms receiver should be, yeah, it, 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 could, it could in theory include um, – you know, just the the casting that, uh, you know, a factory makes before they do anything um, to finish a receiver. Um, because if it takes you less than eight hours with a full, with the act with access to a full machine shop to complete it and an instruction guide or a video, then according to the ATF, it seems like that could make it, um, uh, something that you can't sell without a federal firearms license and without it being um, uh, serialized. So, but that, but then at the same time, what they want to do is um, basically just keep with what how they've been doing things. Um, uh, like they they want to write a rule that's as broad as they possibly can. It, you know, it reminds me of um, federal firearms licenses and, and what in the business means. Right, um, because if you know, you need to obtain a federal firearms license if you're in the business of selling firearms, right? But what what does in the business mean? Well, um, generally speaking, it means you know you have to have 
you have to make a profit, make a living selling guns. It has to be an actual business venture. Um, so you have a storefront or a, a company set up or, or you, you buy guns and sell them purely to make profit, that kind of thing. And usually you do a significant amount of business each year. And, and that's when they think that there's the, the general line. But the ACF, the standard is that it could even be if you just sold one gun a year. Um, that's, you know, it could be that if they, if they want it to be. And that's, that's what this all reminds me of. So, yeah, that block of uh, aluminum could be a firearms receiver if the ATF feels like they want to get you on that today. But for the vast majority of people, it's just going to be the same line that it's been all along. And maybe you can't sell it in a in a kit. Yeah, were you surprised that uh, they didn't go after the upper receivers as much as they did, and basically said we're just keeping it the same? No, because I, I think they don't want to create more work for themselves. You know, that's another thing to consider with the ATF. It's, the ATF is not that big. They already don't have enough resources to do the stuff that they're trying to do now. Like even you know. I mean, even the, the unlicensed gun dealer stuff, like they, they rarely prosecute that or rarely dedicate resources to it, even though their standard is potentially even someone who sells just one used gun a year uh, in a private sale could be considered under the right circumstances to be, um, to require a license, uh, you know, but the, the, in real life, they don't actually go around the, the and pick up people that, really are violating that law and that most people would think should be subject to, you know, arrest and prosecution. I remember there was a case out in California where these people kept, um, they had basically, a, they would go and buy guns and then they would resell them to criminals. Um, and they did it over and over and over again and they never got prosecuted for it. Cause the ATF just isn't, uh, it's not, it's not really equipped to just monitor your regular, sort of even low-level criminal activity like that. So yeah. I don't think they'll change anything in the practical sense. Yeah, according to my notes here, uh, it talks about uh, how they had to serialize the frame or receiver barrel or pistol slide with information that's not that uh, must be placed in a manner not susceptible to being readily obliterated, altered, or removed. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like slipped that in there a little bit. Well, I think what they're trying to say with that is like, here are the things that we would consider as part of a receiver. So, uh, yeah, I thought the slide, um, what are they called? Like the slide, uh, it was like the slide rails, slide rails. So if it incorporates a slide rail, like a, like a pistol frame on wood, I guess then that's one, one aspect of, uh, something that could be considered a, a receiver or a frame. Right? Yeah, that's on page 24, I believe. Right. So they're, they're listing like the things that, the features that um, used to be, you have to have all these features in one. And that's the problem is that something like an AR-15 lower doesn't have uh, all of those required features in one piece or one part. And so the ATF decades ago just said, screw it, we'll, we'll just take, We'll just pick the lower receiver and say that's the that's yeah. the firearm, that's the regulated part. 
And now judges are looking at it and saying, wait a second, this doesn't match with what the regulate, what the actual rule is, um, you know, on its face. And so now the ATF is annoyed. It's, they come off very annoyed in, this, in yeah. this document at these judges. And so basically they're saying these judges are going to, you know, destroy the country and make it impossible to regulate, uh, to, to enforce any gun laws. So it's so fine. We'll change the regulation. And so now they want the regulation to be just what it used, it used to be a bunch of those components together is a receiver. Now they're saying any one of those components, like uh, the trigger mechanism, well, the, the slide rails, the, um, the hammer or the striker or the, the firing pin, any one of those components uh, by itself can be considered, you know, in, embedded in a, to a part can be considered a, a firearm receiver and then we will draw the line as you know on a case-by-case basis as to what part we consider a receiver and you won't and we're going to try to avoid basically making the industry mark every part you know with serial numbers we just we're just going to pick one and then that'll be the thing well it does talk about uh marking uh the flight or barrel in case uh, the original components are separated, so it will help them trace it. Um, yeah. On uh, page 38. Hold on. Um, it's towards the bottom, but it goes to page 38 and 39. Yeah, I'm looking at page 40 right now, and it's, where, where does it say? Uh, they're talking about Complete weapons or complete muffler or silencer devices, as defined in this rule, would be allowed to be marked up to seven days from completion of the manufacturing process. It's like, really? But what I'm talking about is the marking of the barrel and slide. If you look on page 30, it says requiring federal firearms licensees to mark in this manner on each identified part as a frame and receiver would make it possible for the ATF to... Trace the firearm if the manufacturer's or importer's name, city, or state is marked on the flight or barrel and the original components are later separated. Mm. Um, I just want to get your opinion on what what they're talking about there. Yeah, that's a good question. Um Let me read this section real quick. What, what, is, what was your take on it? What did you think? I, I think it's very uh, unclear. And it gives them a lot of leeway to say, hey, you know, this has to be marked or this doesn't have to be marked. And they can basically <laughs> go back and forth and choose what they want to do at any time they want to do it. Yes. That is, yeah, reading it, that's exactly what they're saying. That not, they're not necessarily saying that they're going to require um, markings on every one of these parts. Like I was saying earlier, like now they're saying that a receiver could be anything that has one of these individual components in it. So if it has the, the breach uh, is, is, you know, a, a separate, like if, if you have a gun that where the design has the barrel and breach are one piece in there, they're separate from 
you know, other parts of the gun, then yeah, the, under this rule, the ATF could say that's a receiver. You have to mark that. But, uh, and, and they admit in here in the section you're talking about that that could lead to several different components, need, you know, potentially being classified as receivers and needing markings uh, and all of that. Uh, but what they say is um, basically that they will, that one, they, I think that they're, they're going to, if, if they've already made designations on guns, like an AR-15, for example, that they aren't planning to change those. Yeah. And they're not planning to add requirements for the upper receiver, right? Even though they could, under the, the new, what they're proposing, they could change it if they wanted to. But they're just saying that they're not going to. Um, and so, yes, the, with, with this new rule, you could see it uh, down the line where the ATF changes their mind and says, yeah, we're going to require you to mark anything that now qualifies as a receiver. And also, um, because the receiver um, includes the definition, uh, it would include, it would include the, the sort of uh, added um, term readily convertible to um it, you know that you'd also have to serialize anything that could be readily converted into a receiver. Um, uh, now they they do say like they do have suggestions for limits on during the manufacturing process. So mm-hmm. like you know they're not going to make Smith and Wesson mark you know a half finished receiver just because it takes an extra week to get it through the factory process or whatever and it sits for a week or something like that. Um, as long as it's still in the factory process or whatever, and you're not being sold yet, you can, you don't have to immediately mark every piece along the manufacturing process. Um, even under this rule, even though technically it would be, a, a, it could be considered a firearms receiver that's, or be, could be considered readily convertible to a firearms receiver. But yeah, so there's a number of things like where they, Again, they're trying to set up a standard where that allows them to do almost anything they want, and then they're saying just so just so that the courts can't bother them more or less. And then they're saying, but we're not actually going to go that far. We're just going to do what we've been doing, basically. Yeah, it's In, for most of this. If for most of this, uh, unless you are planning to make it a pressure, then you might be kind of screwed. <laughs> Well, you might be screwed. <laughs> I don't think they would let you. They'd want you doing that under current regulations, anyway. No, but even if you want to like form one suppressor, because uh, uh, basically, the it, it's the whole thing is stupid. Um, and they've been working on this for like two years since like 2018 is when they started having mm-hmm. like closed door sessions about it, and I've been getting bits and pieces of it out there um mm-hmm. and there's another one on pistol braces that uh is being worked on i don't think it's to the point where this one is but it's being it's been worked on for about the same amount of time and we saw a little bit of it um back in uh d- december but the uh, the one i'm hearing is going to go a lot farther um yeah I have had a little sneak peek, but I don't want to break it until, you know, we have something more like this. Yeah. Although with you coming in here and doing this stuff, I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> be on my toes. Yes, certainly. 
Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, the only limit they give themselves in there or the only suggested limit, um, for, you know, what readily convertible means in the context of, a you know, a regular firearms receiver is one case, um, that they pointed to where, uh, the conversion required, um, it required a trained gunsmith who had access to $65,000 worth of specialized equipment. So in that case, um, the, you know, the, the receiver would not be, um, uh, considered readily convertible. Right. So you see how like, that's the only limit they, they suggested, they hinted at, they, they, they didn't give any limits, right. They just said, here's what, here's like, we're going to highlight some court cases for you as to what readily convertible has meant in the past for, you know, machine gun receivers. And, you know, Hey, some of those, uh, you know, are pretty out there, you know, eight hours with access to a full machine shop is, uh, this still was still considered readily convertible, uh, you know, according to this one case. So maybe, you know, maybe your, uh, 80% lower is readily convertible too. If it takes you, uh, well, you know, less than eight hours to work on it with standard, you know, drill press or mill that you own, um, or even access to a complete machine shop. So, uh, and the only thing that's a limit is if you, you know, it, the, the conversion requires a trained gunsmith and, and, uh, a ton of specialized equipment, you know, otherwise, I don't know, could be, and then, and then they'll just draw the line wherever they feel like it. And it, seems like they want to just draw it where they've been drawing it the last couple of years. Yeah, they don't really de- define like a trained gunsmith either. No. So they can say, oh. No, it's all subjective. It, it was like, uh, and I think it was more like a master, you know, like, a, I can't remember the exact term they use, but um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Um, it, It's very interesting, and I've been around guns a long time and $65,000 worth of equipment. That's a lot of money in equipment and you can make firearms with a lot less than that. So I think they set the bar oh, yeah. extremely high for themselves. Yeah. Now, you know, and to be, and, and they're of course not, they're almost, I would say intentionally not even setting a bar. Really. They're just saying, here's the subjective criteria we're going to apply to this and then here's some here's some court cases that kind of uh deal with this question and then you figure it out as from there now they are, i think they are offering like a they well they, they created like a program where people can voluntarily submit um this was more for like this was less to do with unfinished receivers and more to do with like determining what which part of a gun is the receiver um, companies that can, you know, make new guns, new gun designs can voluntarily submit them to the ATF and the ATF will tell them which part of it they think is the, the receiver. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it reminds me a lot of the, the proposal last fall where it was like, here are the subjective things that make, um, an AR pistol into it and, you know, an unregistered, illegal SBR and they're all subjective and we're not going to give you any 
you know, real um, measurements or weights, weights or whatever uh, to determine whether or not your particular pistol braced AR is an S is an illegal SBR or not. We're just going to sort of imply that it could be. And that the only way to know is if the ATF specifically examines it. And the only, the only way to have the ATF specifically examine it is basically to commit a crime <laughs> with it. And so it's, you know, they just leave it out there as like, maybe you're a felon. Yeah, we'll, we don't know. We'll let you know when we arrest you and throw you in jail. Exactly. <laughs> That's, so this, there's definitely vibes of that here where it's like, eh, maybe that, uh, maybe that block of uh, aluminum that vaguely is in the shape of an AR. Um, even, even if it's not in the shape of an AR, maybe it, maybe it was from an order for, AR factories. It was destined to be a lower at one point, and so it's designated to be one. And and then you have a hold of it somehow, and maybe that is an unfinished lower. I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to wait and see. Were you surprised? Yeah, would have to tell you. Were you surprised they didn't go after three D printed guns harder? Um, no, because that's. I mean, it's much more. Difficult to do that under current law, I would say. I think they're going to go after it with ITAR again. Yeah, I guess they could try to do that weird roundabout thing with with uh, gun files. Yeah, that's um, what I'm hearing. Um, of course, that that's a pretty absurd form well, of uh, and, attack. There, hey, yeah. they did it under Obama uh, until they removed they did, it. Yeah. So true. Um, but they were probably going to lose it. And clearly that's why they did yeah. that whole thing. But because uh, it's a fairly absurd argument um, that they make with, with when it comes to that. But, I mean, you should see something like that. I don't think it was – that would have to come from the State Department, though, I believe. That would have to ATF. come from the State Department. It wouldn't be from the ATF. So, yeah, when it comes to the ATF and 3D printed guns, there's not as much that they can do unless you're selling them. People. Well, what they're saying um, is you have a serial number on a metal plate on the 3D printed gun. Yeah, but that's only if you sell it. To, and so, yeah, they do have some stuff dealing with 3D printed guns, and, and which would basically be situations where you make a gun at home and then you sell it to an FFL, and then that FFL ha- would have to market basically put a serial number on, number on it themselves before they can sell it to somebody else. Yeah, that more applies um, to, yeah, the, like if you go sell it to like a gun shop or something, not if you sell it to right. your neighbor, as long as you're not making it to sell. Yeah, and they, they can they can only do that. So that, that's where like the ATF is much more limited because they can really only handle situations that involve the sale of guns because that's, you know, how the federal law works. It, it, the ATF governs licensed dealers and oversees licensed dealers. And so it can, it can tell licensed dealers that if they get a gun that's made by, you know, that's a homemade gun and isn't serialized, that the dealer has to put a serial number on it, which is what they're talking about with the metal plate thing. And it has to, you know, meet certain standards. You can't, that's why it has to be a metal plate. You can't just carve it into the plastic um, I mean, but that's what they require for polymer lower guns already. Anyway, your Glock has a little metal plate on it somewhere with a serial number. Um, so they're just saying, well, you're going to have to do that with 
any homemade guns that you buy to resell, which I don't know how common that is anyway, but, um, and then, yeah, but, but otherwise, if you're making the gun for use for your own personal use at home, the ATF really has no role unless you're a prohibited person, uh, in, you know, regulating that at all. There aren't, there aren't regulations on that. There haven't been for the entire history of the United States. Well, that's a, that wouldn't stop the ATF. Usually, <laughs> you know, uh, do you think this is going to satisfy the anti-gun groups like the Everytowns and the Giffords and all those? Um, well, you know what's funny though? There, there is every time gets mentioned in this. I don't know if you saw that part. Uh, I actually didn't highlight this in the piece, but um, they talk about at the end they they review like different alternatives to what they're proposing, and they talk about why they didn't go with those alternatives. That's why I brought and, it up. <laughs> Yeah, one of them was the every town proposed something. They don't really go into detail about what every town proposed exactly. But basically, the ATF said that what every town proposed wasn't broad enough. So, so this is actually um, broader than what a, a, uh, every town had suggested. Yeah, every town. Actually, I have that somewhere. Um, they were just going after basically polymerides and. Not much yeah. else. Now they make it sound like it was pretty close to what the, every town wanted. Yeah, because the thing that they say wasn't—they just basically said it, it like didn't like because they they talk about how they're like trying to write a regulation that could envision future innovations, so that like because the problem with the one they have now is that uh, it's out of date basically because uh, I don't. That's their argument, essentially, is that like this was written a long time ago when firearms receivers, you know, were all one piece and had all these components. And then, but of course, they also talk about the 1911 in there, which is a hundred year old design that also doesn't comply, doesn't contort with this, with the, the current regulation, uh, according to the ATF themselves. So, uh, unless this regulation was written in the 1800s, I'm not sure that their argument holds as much water, but either way they're, they're trying, they, they wanted to future proof their regulations. And so they made a comment, I believe about how every town's proposal didn't talk about like guns that don't have tr- physical triggers and stuff or don't have the trigger, you know, mounted inside the frame. Or, I don't know. So basically they said, uh, you know, every town just wasn't their definition of firearm wasn't broad enough for the, for the ATF. Okay, we are also joined by Gorillas and Guns since we all broadcasting to his uh, channel as well. Um, yeah, uh, Safety Harbor Firearms is also out there. We talked about his stuff, um, and he's saying that he thinks that they're just trying to tell people stop thinking about making guns. Yep. And I'm sure they'd love to, to hear people this stuff doing that, yeah. Okay, so we talked about if it's going to satisfy the every town. Do you think it's going to satisfy Biden, or do you think Biden just threw this out there that he's going to go after this stuff just to appease his base? Um, I mean, I think certainly the president was under a lot of pressure to do something, um, especially because he had he promised so much to gun control advocates during the election, um, you know, right up to you know, a half step from full confiscation of AR-15s, you know, and 
you can't get any of that passed through Congress. So the only real alternative for him is to, uh, I mean, they're, they're probably not even going to get universal background checks passed through Congress. And I'm hearing so that the not. more aggressive stuff. Yeah. They, they, there's almost no way that they can find something that 10, 10, 10, 10 Republicans are going to vote for. And Manchin's not going to kill the filibuster. So they're stuck. Um, but so the only thing you can really do is, you know, executive actions or executive orders. This is, this isn't even an executive order. This is just, an executive action is basically just saying, hey, DOJ, please do this. Yeah, it's, it's, not even, it's nothing you know. signed or anything like that. Right. And so, but, you know, DOJ with regulation has a lot of leeway, as we saw with the, the bump stock ban, right? Uh, and so, that, you know, there's still significant things that they can do, um, like these, like this proposal that that we're talking about. And, um uh, and I, you know, I think he was under a lot of pressure because he promised to do that stuff on the day one, and he didn't. Uh, and he kept delaying. Um, he didn't even. You know, I was kind of expecting he might do something the day of a man. You know, one of one of the more, the recent mass shootings, but he waited until after that. It's because the timing got kind of weird. Um, with he just sort of did it one day. Um, but yeah, I think it was a pressure relief valve type thing for for him and for Democrats generally. The, the gun control people are fairly happy. I mean, I think Chipman too, nominating Chipman uh, was something that the gun control groups view as a big win. Do you um, think he's going to yeah. get through the confirmation period? No, he I, has a I lot of baggage. Kind of, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to get confirmed, which is why I find the gun control groups uh, being so uh, happy about his nomination to be a bit odd because it's like a purely symbolic thing. He's, there's uh, almost no way he's getting confirmed. I, I don't. I don't know if you saw the article I leaked about. Uh, actually, uh, I had some document. It wasn't really leaked, but um, I I found some stuff he wrote internal documents for uh, Giffords where he basically makes the argument that uh, guns with detachable magazines are basically machine guns. If yeah. Anybody has that that view and that got sent to a bunch of uh through my contacts at goa got sent to a bunch of uh senators so mm-hmm. they can see how extreme he was um so yeah i mean and that's, that's the extreme. thing about him is like I mean, even beyond like the specific policies that he's he's put out there because yeah there, there's that which is obviously really extreme as far as the uh gun control position goes uh, and then he also had the weird uh, conspiracy theory about Waco claiming that the Davidians shot down two Texas National Guard helicopters, which is just not true. Yeah, with 50 Cal um, Barrett. Did he, did he ever retract that or clarify that? I can't find no, where he actually so, talked about it ever again after saying it. No, he just sort of said it on a Reddit thread uh, back in 2019. And then it was like a, it was like a weird uh, one-off. Of, he was trying to claim that basically you know we need to ban 50 cal rifles well and so he said that they were used to shoot down helicopters in the do- true in the document that i got from they wrote the internal document for giffords that i leaked he actually talks about how 50 caliber is uh, a national security threat because they can be used to shoot down helicopters and shoot radar dishes <laughs> right which is I have Which no is idea. a very common problem in the in Yeah, the I mean, I've, States, but, I've um, never seen, heard of anyone shooting radar dishes with 50 cal. 
yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's just like a weird obsession that he seems to have. Um, but beyond that, beyond like even, even if he hadn't said a bunch of stuff that uh, is extremely controversial, like he works for a gun control group right now today. Yeah. So yep. nominating him to be the head of the ATF politically is probably a non-starter anyway, especially in a 50-50 Senate that like this with a number of moderate Democrats uh, in there, because it's kind of like, and the, this, the NSSF uh, said, told me this publicly. It's like if Trump had tried to nominate Wayne LaPierre to run the ATF, like it's just a non-starter because yeah. the, the politics of it are so uh, blatant. You know, you're, you're taking an uh, agency that's supposed to be a regulatory agency uh, and turning it into essentially a political agency um, by appointing someone like Chipman. Because, yes, he was an agent years ago, uh, over 10 years ago. and But in that time that he's been retired, he's been the, extremely politically active as a gun control activist. He's worked for numerous gun control groups, and he currently works for a gun control group. So nominating him to run the agency is – that's something you could do if you had, like, 60 hardcore liberal Democrats. But 50 Democrats with a number of more mo- more moderate – or a number from more moderate states, more purple states or even red states like West Virginia um, – which is, you know, has turned more red recently. Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot harder ask. Yeah. It, it seems like a lot of it is just political theater, which, you know, I guess, I mean, that's what it is, right? Uh, what do you can think you about? Hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, uh final question for you, then, then I'll let you go. Uh, what do you think about Regina Lombardo uh, retiring? Um, stepping down as uh, head of the uh, ATF. All right. It looks like we lost him. Yeah. But yeah, that was, um, that was, uh, go ahead and give Stephen a follow at, uh, TheReload.com. He is a investigative uh, journalist, and uh, we—it's great to have more investigative journalists, and and especially one with the pedigree like him, and in the whole entire thing. Uh, but yeah, let me just uh, let's send him a text message saying, "Yeah, we were done anyway." Uh, I'll just send him a text message out there. But yeah, what do you guys think? So it seems like, uh, you know, they got a hard-on for the 50 cals. Uh, they're, it, yeah. It's it's a long read, that document. Uh, there's a lot of definitions in there. They don't really define readily convertible. And, you know, like like you've been saying, is it eight hours with, with $60,000 worth of machinery? Is it, I mean, can I grab my channel locks and a coat hanger? You know, what... What's readily convertible mean? Well, they right. don't. Well, they don't. They don't really define that. And, and like you said in the document, they highlighted a case where it took eight hours. Can I, you know, can I three D print a lightning link and uh, you know go full auto? 
Yeah, I mean, I would. If they, if they, I mean, I, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, his phone cut out. Um, but, but, I mean, I know I didn't say I would. I mean, here's the thing: if they like, if they ban, um, for example, if they make, I saw, I saw an interesting meme. It said, you know, Biden uh, making all, all, um. All um, AR-15s, NFA weapons, because he compares them to uh, the machine guns. Biden realizing that <laughs> that that now he gave people reasons to make their AR-15 machine guns. Got the same penalty. Why wouldn't you? Right. 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 Yep. I'd be converting all mine right away. Yeah, I'm not complying with that BS, man. Indeed. Yeah, we are broadcasting. That, that's the thing with the government. They love to keep things um, unclear and open for interpretation. So that way they can just make up the rules as they go along. Yeah. Uh, you know, just so the, the end goal is just to get everybody's weapons away from them anyway. You uh, know? Yeah. The, 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 take over. There's something called Chevron difference, right? And Chevron difference, mean, a def, not difference, a deference. I can't say the damn word. Deference. I know. I know. It's not difference. I just can't say deference unless I really, really think about it. If I don't think about it, it comes out difference with deference, which means if a regulation is unclear, um, the courts will go back to the ATF, and usually that works. Uh, and the sixth district for the bump stock thing. That's how. That's how GOA won the bump stock case because they said in a criminal case you can't freaking claim. Chevron different difference. Yeah, uh, Walter says uh, that uh, that Lombardo is gonna go work for uh, gonna go work for um, uh, Giffords, which might be the case there. All right, but yeah, uh, it is definitely interesting. Um, he did scoop me on it. I had the document, and I was like, yeah. Uh, I I, I want to, you know, uh, I'll, I'll submit it because usually I don't really have that much competition. But he launched his website yesterday. So I was like, yeah, oh, cool. you, know, you know, no one's going to beat me. So I'm just going to go take a nap. I woke up. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> you get to take naps? I'm Dude, jealous, John. Uh, okay, you want to keep my schedule, Rich? Oh, I, I don't know about that. I'll call you at 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm working on something. Nah. No, don't bother. <laughs> Just to talk. Then call you back at 6 a.m. You're one of them. I sleep when I can. So I, I'm just really surprised. So here's the interesting thing. Um, gosh, who is it? I Was it Rush Limbaugh that always said the Democrats will tell you what they're afraid of most? And, you know, whether it was, uh, I think he first said that in reference to um what, what's her name the governor of texas why can't i think of it the, the what's her her name the governor of texas yeah she was running as vp with uh was it romney so, oh, so Sarah, that, that's alaska yeah alaska i'm sorry alaska what, <laughs> okay, what why am i blanking uh, sarah palin all i see is tina fey in my head sarah palin, um, palin. sarah palin so um the, it seems to me, 
you know, when, when we look at gun laws as a whole, one, they're afraid of 50 cows. They're afraid of AR-15s. But for some reason, the guns that are killing all the people, which is pistols in Chicago and other cities similar to Chicago, they're the ones that are killing all the people. But they're concerned about the devices that kill less than 500 people a year. Because it's, they look scary. Yeah, but I, I think it's even more insidious. I, I think that those are the devices that we would use against the government if, if it ever came to it. That they're more worried that you had something that could be used against them. Look, nobody cared about a riot until January 6th, all of a sudden. And then you have you know, 10, 20, 30,000 National Guards troops and barbed wire and 10-foot fences around D.C. But nobody cared that all of the cities burned all summer long. That, that was okay. That was a peaceful protest. So I, I think the government only cares when it comes up to their butt, when, it, when it's their butt on the line, when it's their bacon in the frying pan. Uh, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Um, unless it's a ghost gun. Ooh. I can't wait till West Palm Beach has a gun buyback because I got a box of these. Dude. Uh, yeah, bad I'm, 3D prints. I, I am going to 3D print a bunch of crap. Go turn it in and go buy myself a new. Uh, uh, I don't know yet, uh, like a new nine millimeter uh, caliber AR or something like that. <laughs> or you've the buy AR or... nine. Yep. I don't have hey, an AR nine. Out of my 150 really? ARs, I don't have an AR nine. Uh, somebody does have more ARs than I do. Then yeah, I got 150 of them. Dude, I don't have. If I had 150, I don't. Well, all right. If I uh, kick my daughter out of the house, then I have room for him. I mean, I have 150. Uh, I don't know. I a lot. I I put it this way. I stopped uh, counting at 150. And and so you clean and lubricate three a day. This three week. This way, they're all cleaned each year. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that in my uh, and I got like. 200 pistols. Dang. <laughs> so it takes me a long time to clean. <laughs> you need a firearm channel. I know, man. Consider me envious. No, <laughs> man. I would, dude, I got, I got uh, grillers and guns. Thing. I got them all. I got an old, uh, like 1930s uh, single shot shotgun back here that I'm going to gift to uh, Silverback. Oh, cool. I have a plan for you to do it, and I have contacts for you to do it, and I'll fund it. All and, right, and you get to keep it. I want it to because it kind of looks like a. It's like very long. Hold on, let me let me grab the barrel. That, that's what you barrel. said in the van. Yeah, this is the barrel. <laughs> no, I did not say that in your truck. <laughs> this is the barrel, so it's long, and uh, you said that too. All right. Uh, what I want, uh, what I want you to do, uh, I, I got a custom woodworker that will do a stock, a Mandalorian type stock. Oh, nice! And I have a welder near you. So, if you want, we can collaborate, and you can keep it too. All right. And we'll turn it into a Mandalorian style single shot shotgun. That sounds pretty fun. I have the I have the custom wood guy and I have the welder. 
Okay. Captain Lee guys in West Virginia, the really great job. Uh, uh, Hudson Woodworking, uh, and uh, my my buddy, he's a welder, and he lives down near you. He lives down near me. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I okay. wonder if I already know who he is. Uh, I don't think so. He's not like uh, he does it, but he he's retired vet. Okay. So, but yeah, so uh, we're gonna build a Mandalorian themed rifle, and you Let's can keep it. it. Or a cooler thing we can do, if you like, is we can auction it off for a charity of your choice. Right on. I think we'll do that. Yeah. What do you think, Rich? Oh, sounds good. I mean, you did good with the uh, last auction. That that worked out nice. Yeah, we raised $2,000. I want to thank Cody out there. Cody is out there. Uh, $2,000 for that, which was awesome. Um it was awesome. Uh, we've also given away a, a, a can of handgun to a single mom. Nice. And paid for Which her training. Uh, like I think it's a, a like a TSP nine or something, like TPS nine something. Yeah. Okay. TS nine. Very good. Yeah. It's why now now I can't say it. It's it's like TPS. I know there's TPS in TPS it. TPS nine. Yeah, I think it's a TPS nine or something like that. Uh, yeah. Thank Probably you, Canic. TP nine. TP nine. That's it. TP nine S. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, we we got hooked up on a deal on that one. That's why we went with Canic. We were gonna go with a Glock, but we got hooked up on a deal that let us do it. Uh, and I paid for training and got her trained. Good deal. Nice. Uh, so I wanted to start doing more stuff like that. More charity stuff, more than what I already do. I do a lot of charity stuff, Rich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Speaking of charity, whose T-shirts are selling more? Are are there more Gorillas and Guns T-shirts selling on Black Swan Tactical? Yeah, definitely more more Gorillas and Guns. (sighs) Not the Flying Rich, huh? Not Stop bringing in the money. No, no, that was, uh, yeah, but not not <laughs> like gorillas and guns. Gorillas and guns have his own shoe line. Uh, that's that's true. Even though I haven't <laughs> sold a pair, I actually sold one pair. You did? Yeah, they were comfortable, man. I bought them. Oh yeah, all right. <laughs> I got I got to get a pair myself so I can have my own gorilla feet on. <laughs> I, I should bring them. I like own. them. They're cool. Yeah, man. So anyhow, anything sold at Black Swan Tactical goes to charity. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Even uh, like the shipping, I cover out of my pocket. Wow, very nice. So and um, all of John's books, all my books, the hell goes to charity. I get another book that's going to be coming out probably this summer that uh, Percy's going to go to make a wish. All my writing goes to charity. Throw my Patreon. Actually, uh, I did use some of my Patreon money, which I told everyone I was going to use. And uh, where the hell is it? Oh, I can't find it. I moved it. But uh, yeah, I bought uh, some really uh, cool road stuff. Uh, the road go. Uh, the road go to. Um, and I'm going to be bringing that to the IV eighty eight eighty eight shoot. Now is that a microphone? What is that? 
Yeah, it's a wireless microphone. You can plug in the lav or you can stick it on a handle. Uh, and it actually records to let – me, let me grab it. Hold on. Scott, are you going to be going to the uh, Iraq veteran shoot? I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it this year, unfortunately. Um, I just don't have enough time to plan for it all and, and get the couple extra days off of work. So, Dang, I thought you owned the business. You don't own the business? Oh, no, I don't own the business. So, oh, really? so check this out. So this is the road to. Um, it's freaking awesome. And that actually can act as a uh, microphone for your computer, too. I mean, you have the receiver. Unless you drop it. Yeah, you have the receiver, which plugs in. But th- this is a cool thing. Uh, it, it records in dual channels. So each channel separated out. Um, and you can, and it comes with two of these, which is the transmitter um, and a receiver. So it record dual channels to uh, the receiver if you want. Uh, oh, that's so you, cool. So don't need a computer. So it can record there, record to your channel. Or, or it also, you can put the receiver into your phone. Um, it will connect to iPhones and Androids and basically act. I didn't out. understand that. <laughs> whatever act as uh act as um a mic for your phone and it has little wind mics so it actually has a mic built in or you can lose use a lav or whatever and have this little like you know attachment um here and uh it records so you can have three backup recordings basically each mic will record everything um and then the receiver will record oh that's very cool and it's uncompressed it, audio. Uh-huh. And each oh. one has seven hours of memory. Very cool. So, yeah, these are really cool. I, I would highly recommend these. And the sound is, like, quality professional sound. And how much something like that go for? Uh, uh, 300 uh, okay, and then okay. the lav mics, uh, the lav I got here, this is a, uh, a road lav, which is uh, another 70 bucks because of really high quality mic sound, mm-hmm. sound, sound stuff is expensive. If you want good That's stuff. Luckily I have Amalan, which bought me this sure mic, which is like the Ferrari of mics. And I got my little roadcaster here. Nice. So yeah. So thank you, Ammo Land. All right. Uh, any other questions on the leaks or anything before we go? So it seems like the, it's a request for comments, also. So they're it, talking it's about not a request for comment, comments yet. It will be. So none of this is going to go into action in like the next 30, 60, 90 days, but it's something that they're looking to do. Well, uh, maybe within the next uh, 60 to 90 days, not definitely not 30. And it's probably going to be more than that, actually. So if, if you want to get anything that's potentially regulated by that document, you probably ought to pick it up now. I, I, yeah, you have, you have time, but I, I would definitely start working on it. Uh, they did promise the industry that they're going to – they've already – I reported on a leaked meeting between 60 members of the industry and the ATF. Uh, and another leak for you guys right now is that they did promise to meet with the industry one more time. 
But at the same time, this document wasn't supposed to be written until after that. So. Uh-huh. So I don't know about that. And then it's going to go to a comment period. And the comment period is we're going to be able to blow up their comments again and maybe, maybe back them down a little bit on some of the stuff. Because some mm-hmm. of the stuff is really bad, especially if you want to build like a Form 1 suppressor. I would definitely get everything to do that right now. Because that's... And what do you explain to people what a Form 1 is? A Form 1 suppressor, like you, you build a solvent trap, you get the... You get buy a solvent trap or whatever. Um, you can submit your form one and get it, or buy it from a company that don't require form one. Whatever. Right now, it's legal to buy that as long as nothing is drilled out or dimpled. Um, and make sure you buy U.S. products because the stuff from China usually gets seized, and the ATF is going to show so, up your house. Don't you have to get the form one first before you buy any of the parts? No, no, you don't. If your intention is not to build suppressor okay like if you build the stuff and oh yeah i'm just buying this uh solvent trap here because i'm going to trap my solvents then you say you know what i really don't like this let me make it into a suppressor then that's totally legal wow that's why you don't want to buy anything with dimples or anything like that if you're looking to buy a solvent trap to catch your solvent because the atf was shown by your house so you don't don't buy don't keep your solvent trap and core plugs in the same room. No, yeah, well, the, the core plugs exactly. Uh, but according to this document, those core plugs you're not going to even be able to buy, even if they're not drilled out. Hmm. So uh, if you want to if so if you want to get a solvent trap um, to catch solvent, it might be the time to do it now. I, do you have a lawyer that's screaming right now? I'm going to head over to Napa right now. Right, right. What, what was the Napa part number for that Wix filter I, that I, you need? 4001. That goes on Miata's. <laughs> Napa. Wix 4001. Yeah, don't anybody buy that. That's, yeah. Oh, no. John Peterson. Oh, don't buy that. <laughs> That's an interesting person. Don't Google that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I haven't talked to Donald Trump uh, in the last uh, few months. Um, now there, there's a Napa Gold, uh, the Wix twenty four zero zero one. I don't think that will work. For a and you can get it on Amazon. Yeah, maybe that will work then. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that stuff is what's going to be turned out, and it just depends on what's going on. But uh, anything else before we before we get out of here? Nah, nah, that's that's it. Just go Black Swan Tactical buy stuff. Yeah, it's for charity. It makes you look good. It makes you feel good. Yeah. Oh. Let's see, and you you can get something like this over there. 
Let's see. Is Why that it? This way. Move this way, yeah. Okay, and you got you guys want to see the chat die out really quick? <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I'll do it right now. You ready? All right, let, let, let me start playing the outro music. All right, guys. This is Black Swan Media Group. We are our Black Swan Media Group members. If you decide to register, you can, you can join the party if you want. And basically, we just support each other. Uh, my name is John Crump. I'm the Virginia Director of Gun Owners of America. I'm an investigative journalist with MLN.com. I keep it on the ATF, FBI, and all the other organizations that want to violate your rights. I also keep an eye on the industry to make sure they're not trying to screw you over. Um, for everyone out there, before I kick it over, Brownells has ammo in stock. All right. <laughs> That's why I was late getting on the show here. I was stopping at a new little ammo shop in town, picking up some uh, some supplies. All right. Oh, hey, beware of ammo scammers. I, I see almost one every day on Instagram. Yeah, they follow me. They, yeah, they, these guys will follow you. There'll be a gun shop, but they won't have a website. And you'll yep. see like their IG account seven hours old, but it has 30 posts. So beware. Or, or they'll pop up somewhere in the feed like on a post and they'll say oh yeah ammo and they'll show like a, a picture of a crate of ammo or something like that and yeah you can tell they're not they're just scammers all you have to do is right. uh, do a reverse google search on the uh, pictures yep yep and, but not everybody knows how to do that yeah, that's true alright uh, I'm gonna kick it over to Gorillas and Guns Gorillas and Guns since you came in late. actually let's go to Rich first Rich give us your stuff because Gorillas and Guns have to wait so uh, flyingrich.com is everything but youtube.com slash flyingrich and on Instagram it's flyingrich underscore official alright so yeah he's a, he's officially crashing planes all right. Hey, so, that wasn't me on Sunday. You forgot to so, join on sometime. Sunday? No, I'm just joking. Saturday, uh, not Sunday. Okay. Someone's going to be crashing one on Saturday. Yeah. All right, Silverback. Go ahead and give us your stuff. All right. You, you can find me here on YouTube, Gorillas and Guns. Facebook, uh, same thing, Gorillas and Guns. Also, Black Swan Tactical, uh, dot com. Buy some shoes, people. Huh? Buy, buy the shoes. shoes? Is that what you said? Yeah, buy shoes. <laughs> buy some shoes. Buy some shirts. It's good for charity. Like I said, it makes you look good and makes you feel good because you bought it for charity. Um, yeah, and I mean, and every Saturday night, check out me and John, or John and I, I should say, that's proper English, at the Virginia Reliving Podcast. No, actually, it's right not. On. It's not. Me and John is actually technically correct. Really? Okay. Yeah. Me, if you it's check out John, uh, you know, John and I, if you start a sentence like John and I are going to the store, okay. But if you say check me out, if you don't say check I out, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I only took English as a second language, so <laughs> yeah, my, my wife is second language of the English and she speaks English better than me, but that's everybody, yeah, yep. That that is true. That is true. That's why that's why I'm a writer, right? I'm terrible at English, you know. I'm that's why I write. All right, guys. Hey, Scott. Uh, question: uh, Do you want to do the uh, podcast tomorrow? 
tomorrow. Um, or, or Thursday. Maybe I'll have to keep you posted on that. Or um, Thursday, because okay, I'm not going to uh, be able to do Thursday that. Thursday might be better, because uh, we're trying to set up a meeting. My mom's in the hospital right oh, now. Oh, okay, okay, uh, never mind. How about how about Saturday? Oh, Sunday, 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 Sunday. How many days are we going to kick this back here? Yeah. Sunday, so we do Saturday, Sunday. 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 Uh-huh. Sunday, we're moving Virginia related to Sunday this week, so be there. Check out Walter on uh, Lifestyle of the Locked and Loaded with Hank at seven p.m. At seven p.m. They they have. Uh, 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 an ATF agent on. Okay, well, I got to get out of here. I got to get to my son's thing at, that's going to be at his school. He's going to go for his first communion this uh, nice. Saturday. So oh, I got to go to a meeting at the church. Yes, my family is religious. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching Fireside Chats with John Crump and well, also with Flying Rich and Silverback Bananas got aired today. You've been watching. You've been watching. Uh, okay.